You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You mentioned David Pasternak, and he increased his goal total on the year to 35, still two back of McDavid for the league-leading goals. What's crazy is that, as good of a season as Pasternak has, he has 62 points in 40, 43 games, I think, or something like that. And uh, he's tied with Kucherov. I think he's one or two back from dry settle. But McDavid has like 20 more points than all of them or 25 more points than all of them. And it's just an absolutely insane. It's, ins- it's crazy. He's He was on historic pace the the 56-game COVID season. Like I think his pace for that year put him over would, would have put him over 150 points had it been – a uh, full 82 game season. And now he is on pace to do it for a full 82 game season. Like he's on pace for over 150. He's I think flirting with like 160 pace. It's it's insane. And and like no one's done that in almost 30 years. Like I, I think it's Lemieux's 95 96 season was the last time anyone topped 150 points. Like it's oh, it's absurd. Crazy. I mean he's got he's got 83 points in 45 games. I mean but um Anyway, so I wanted to bring up this player and throw it to Bridget uh, because Pavel Zaka signed a four-year extension, 4.75. Scott had talked about how he was um, a little bit snake-bitten despite being a very, very key contributor to the Bruins. He currently is eighth in the team in points, which is you know obviously good. But for reference, he has 40, uh, 28 points in 43 games. Charlie Coyle, for reference, has 23 points in 40. 43 games. So, um, and, and when you think of Charlie Cole, you think of somebody who is a great contributor and, and plays well in all three zones and Zaka has, you know, eclipsed him in points. And so um, today was a great game for him. So I want to get Bridget's thoughts on the extension because she didn't get a chance to discuss this last episode. Yeah. And I, I listened to you guys last episode and I think there's a few things that are even more relevant after the Flyers game than, when the news came out, I, in, in my opinion, because of the way that he played against the Flyers and his goals that he had. Um, first of all, that one goal was an app. Like, I want to call it a snipe, but at the same time, it was like just – it was just a rocket. Like, it, I I was shocked. Like, not many times am I sitting up on the ninth floor and I'm just like, oh, fuck, what just happened? Like, it was just so fast that I was just like, good thing I wasn't broadcasting this game because I probably would have dropped, like, an F-bomb in there. Um, That's just how the goal was. Like, he's falling and shooting, and the only reason he fell is because he put so much behind it. So it was just – it was an insane shot, a really good shot. And something that Coach said after the game was, that's what we want him to do. Like, we're going to tell him again the same way we always tell him. He's got a great shot. He needs to shoot more. Um, you see the plus side. The contract is, you know, the extension needed to be done uh, because it shores up a guy that can be a center for you. Um, he doesn't have to be a center right now, but it's kind of like 
that long-term plan you see coming together more. And then you go, okay, well, you got this guy for four years. Uh, he can play center. He can be a second-line center. I uh, can play wing. He's very versatile. So whether or not Bergeron and Krejci or one, one or the other decide to hang it up after this season, you have at least one stand-in. Like, you have one solution to a center problem. You're still probably looking for that second guy, but that's a lot less daunting than trying to find two like at the, in the, in the off season. Um, and I feel like this has been the plan all along with Zaka. It was like a prove yourself season for him, but at the same time, it was always with the intention that um, he wanted to stay and they wanted him to stay. So the, the extension isn't surprising at all. Um, it seemed like they from the beginning knew that this is what they wanted to do. And it was, uh, it, it makes, this is one of Sweeney's smart moves, right? It actually makes him look pretty smart uh, because he goes out, he trades Eric Halla, who didn't have as much upside as Zaka, not as versatile as Zaka, um, and gets a guy back that is interested in staying long-term. And that's what kind of deals you have to do right now, especially for centers. You need to find centers that want to stick around. Um, and so that's the answer to one of the questions. Uh, and then you guys touched on it very briefly, but like finding that other center, can you find it at the trade deadline? If you can like a legitimate top two center, like one or two center, um, then you almost answer the question for Pasternak. If this is really what's keeping him from signing, like, okay, here's our two centers, like in, in the future. Um, so you don't have, you can't lean back on that and, and say, um, I, you don't see a rebuild, right? Like if you can, find a center at the trade deadline we're not talking about a team that's going to hit a rebuild when Bergeron and Krejci retire we're talking about a team that's still going to be a, a bubble team a play like a team that's going to make the playoffs um it's not going to be like a long-term rebuild situation like we were questioning was it this offseason I, I think we had like talked about what kind of a rebuild they might need but you almost see that not that that doesn't seem like the trajectory anymore yeah, it, I mean, it's obviously like a dream scenario to get, okay, like if Zaka is the number two center longer term, you know, to like obviously the big name like everyone knows is Bo Horvat and it, because he is probably going to be on the market. There was another report today that uh, Jim Rutherford, Canucks GM, feels like they've made their best offer to Horvat and not, obviously it hasn't been enough or he would have already been signed. So it seems increasingly clear that Bo Horvat is going to be traded. And the question is whether that's as a rental or to a team that immediately signs him to an extension. Um, and that's where, you know, the dream would be if you're the Bruins is if you could acquire someone like Bo Horvat and immediately sign him to an extension, like you did, you know, whether that's literally immediately like with Hampus Lindholm last year or, at the end of the season, like with Taylor Hall a couple years ago after you traded for him. Um, but basically know that like there's an extension that's going to be coming down the pipe as well. Um, you know, the biggest question obviously is, or two biggest questions is what does it take to get them, including who are you moving off the current roster to free up salary? Um, and how are you going about that? And then how are you piecing it together for the future? Because you don't, 
you're not going to have a ton of cap space next year. You still have to sign like six forwards. Um, you know, can you really say it's going to cost nine to 10 million to sign Horvat? Can you fit that? Like, where is the money coming from? It's, it's absolutely a legitimate question, but, um, you know, to your point about like setting yourself up for the future, uh, someone like Horvat, if there is a way to like find the way to make the money work, it's worth it because those opportunities come along so infrequently and, and they're so tough to get those centers and you don't have any in your system that look like they're going to be number one centers anytime soon. Um, so you, you try to find a way if, if at all possible, but uh, as it relates to the Bruins right now, the question would be like, because obviously, you know, I don't think they need a Bo Horvat to win it all this year. Like I barring, you know, injury to one of their top forwards in the playoffs like you, you have a team that can win the Stanley cup. I think, you know, you just add depth to help kind of cover yourself and you're in really good shape. If you're adding Horvat, like I said, you're moving salary out somewhere. That means someone's coming off the current roster and it's easy to say like, Oh, well that can be Craig Smith. And it's like, okay, well now you're giving up extra assets to move him because unless he gets hot, he doesn't have any value, any standalone value really. So you're not for a rebuilding team, not like no, not it, for them. Maybe there's some other contender that might have interest in him for depth, but all those other contenders have cap issues too. So they're not going to want to take on his cap hit. Um, so it's very challenging. And you know, if I were sitting here right now having to bet money on it, I would bet that they're not going to acquire Bo Horvat. Um, but it is absolutely the type of move that they should be exploring because it's going to help you now, but Horvath's a really good player who, you know, makes an already great team even better. And if you lock him up, he can be a number one, like he's a number one center right now. And, you know, while I think it's fair to be like a little wary of the guy who's having a career year in, you know, potentially his trade season or free agent season. Um, even if this ends up being like the best season of his career, his other seasons have still been good. And if you surround him with really talented wingers, I think he can still be a number one center. Sorry guys. I'm just looking at the Bruins um, cap cap situation right now. And um, to Scott's point, just like, so next year after this season, you'll have um, 2750000 coming off the books um, if they don't find a way to re-sign um, Nosek and uh, Krejci. And then Craig Smith is another 3-1, and Nick Foligno is another 3-8. So I think they're going to have to decide to cut ties on, obviously, you know, three of those guys. And I think I said Clifton. Did I say Clifton too? Clifton's a million too, so like he'll probably get paid somewhere else. I don't really know, but – um, it's really tough to predict the future with Bo Horvat. I just know that, you know, if you if you were to wait another year uh, and hope Bergeron comes back next year, let's say let's say Krejci left after this year, and you're and you have Bergeron and Zaka as you one and two next year. Well, now you're kind of like, now you're playing the odds of what center could be out there a year from now um, to potentially replace Bergeron. And I think that right now they know that guy is out there, and that's going to be Bo Horvat. Now, 
based off of Don Sweeney's comments in the Zaka extension press conference, I get the sense that like no prospect for them is safe um, because he made a comment about it's my job to put the best team on the ice this year. He knows that they have to go all in um, how they would acquire somebody to the Corvette. You know, I think everybody knows the answer. There's a couple of key pieces that would be going the other way uh, in, in, in the means of a, a future draft pick first, first round pick probably in, you know, Lysel or, and or Laura, one or the other. And then you have to get, get some cat, some uh, roster guys going the other way too, for the cap flexibility. But um I guess we'll see what happens. Scott, you said the Bruins don't need him to win a cup this year. You're right. But I think the Bruins definitely want to, they definitely want to add a significant piece. How are they going to do that? I don't know. Uh, I just think that they, I don't feel like the Bruins management want to leave anything to chance. They want to, they want to look at this Bruins roster going into the playoffs and they want to be like, you'd have to pull off a 1980 miracle against the Soviets to beat this Bruins team. That's how, (laughs) dominant of a roster they want to have is if, if they can, if they can do it. And obviously it's pretty damn dominant right now. If you can go out there and add a guy like Horvat or, you know, there's other guys we can talk about later podcasts, but, and, and maybe you guys think they should out on the back end, like a, a, a big, a big body in the back end, um, which is valid too. But yeah, the, the, the other big center name, by the way, would, would, if he ends up being available would be Dylan Larkin in Detroit, who also a pending free agent hasn't yet agreed to an extension with the Red Wings. They, you know, the Red Wings were hanging around the playoff picture for a while. They've tailed off a little bit recently. So that's a team to kind of keep an eye on if if they decide to sell and if they're still not close to an extension with Larkin, um, you know, he would be another one who could potentially be on the move. And he's – he's I think I like Horvat a little bit more, but Dylan Larkin's also a really good player who I, I do think can be like a number one center if as long, if as long as he's surrounded by elite wings, which he would be in Boston. That would surprise me too, because I just feel like yeah. Steve Eiserman's doing a. I mean, look, maybe, maybe it's it's not not where they want to be at this point, but personnel wise, I feel like he's starting to do in Detroit with what he was doing down in Tampa before, and like they have some really young names that are very promising in Detroit. It would surprise me if Dylan Larkin, the captain, wasn't a part of that going forward, just because he is. I think he's only twenty six, right? So I mean, or maybe twenty seven, but. Uh, that would surprise me. As far as Bo Horvat goes, like, and I, and I, and I know people. We talked. We we texted about this. I know. I know people want to hang on to the Bruins' top prospects for dear life because they don't have many in the system. I get that, but like, Pavel Zaka is twenty five, maybe twenty six years old. I think he's twenty five though, and you just locked him up for four more years. And a guy like Horvat or a guy like Larkin. Horvat's 27 and Larkin, I think is 26. So like if you can get these guys in your system, it's like the Bruins would probably risk losing a a wing prospect or a D prospect, despite how promising they are. If they can shore up their, their center position for the next five years. And don't forget the Bruins, like Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, they have bosses to report to, right? Like the Jacobs, their own, the owners, they want the Bruins to stay competitive. And it's almost like they have no choice. And if they aren't competitive, they're going to lose their jobs. So I think like as good of a prospect as Fabian Lysel is, I think Don Sweeney is going to be like, well, if I can lock up a 27 year old center for the next five years, like I'll take my chances that Lysel is not going to end up being an 80 point winger. And even if he is, he's a winger. So there's a lot to die to dissect for the Bruins going forward at the deadline. But uh, Zaka is a good start though. And don't you feel like they have like, and we would have talked more about the game if there was really much to talk about, but like we're at the point in the season where it's like, okay, Bruins are good. So we, we want to like, 
go on about some other like topics that interest us. So don't you feel like they almost have the luxury at this deadline to worry about the future rather than like worry about like, okay, we really need to find someone that's going to put us like over the edge. Cause they're, they're already good enough. And like, you want to add a guy that can help this year. And, but like, you can also, you also have the luxury of being like, we feel comfortable moving these prospects because we feel like if we add this X person, our roster will be complete next season, the season after that, the season after that. So you almost have the luxury of being able to look into the future a little bit more than if you were like a team that was, you know, knew you had a good playoff team, but didn't have quite the depth that the Bruins have. Um, So I, I just feel like this season has given Don Sweeney a little bit more leeway to sign a guy that obviously if you get a guy like Bo Horvat or, or, you know, just a center, that's, you know, a one or two caliber guy, that's obviously going to help you in the meantime, but it allows you to convince maybe ownership like, Hey, this is a big move. This is a huge splash move, but this is going to be our long-term and our short-term like solution to we're going to win the cup and we're going to be competitive for the next another five years or so. Yeah. And like, this has clearly been Sweeney's MO recently is he as much as possible has tried to stay away from, you know, the true rentals where you're only getting a guy for half a season. He's traded for guys who were going to be pending UFAs, but then he signs them, you know, Taylor Hall, Ambus Lindholm, Pavel Zaka wasn't, just going to be for one year, even though that's initially what they agreed to was a one-year deal. Like the intention clearly was always to sign him for longer. Um, You know, even like it didn't work out, but Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha were guys who had another year on their deals when the Bruins traded for him. So he has, you know, now if the best move to help him win a cup this year ends up being a rental, whether it's because, you know, a Horvat or a lock-in is either unavailable or the cost is just way too high or whatever. Like, yeah, I think he would be open to a rental, but maybe not for like paying a premium price. Um, so we know that he's going to be targeting first and foremost guys who um, can help this year and also potentially be around longer, whether that's someone with term on his contract already or someone that they already know, or at least have a good idea that they want to re-sign. So, um, yeah, we we know those are the kind of deals that Sweeney's going to be going to be looking for. And it's almost it, it when you brought up Dylan Larkin too. Like it's weird for me to imagine him on this team. Like in a month ago or however many weeks ago it was that we were talking about Jonathan Taves being available and like trying to like figure out like where the fit would be and like what it would be like to have that person on the Bruins because we're so used to seeing some of these guys with their teams for so long um, and like being the captain of a different team and being the face of another team. So when you said the Dylan Larkin thing, I'm sitting here like that's kind of weird for me to think about, but I'll have to like mull it over a a little bit. Um, well, and, and yeah, that's another thing are, with, both Larkin and, with both Larkin and Horvat is they're the captains of their current team. So, yeah. you know, I'm not saying they're going to come here and like be future Bruins captains, but they can be part of your next leadership core, you know, when eventually 
uh, Bergeron and Krejci have moved on and it's really only Brad Marchand left of that old guard and you need, you know, that next group of leaders who are kind of in the prime of their careers. Like both of those guys, obviously on their current teams have shown some leadership capabilities that their teammates recognize. So that, you know, would be another kind of, you know, another thing in the plus column for them is that uh, presumably they're obviously pretty good teammates that you think would, would fit into a culture like this. Vancouver's in trouble over in, uh, over in British Columbia there. They, it's, there is, they are in unison and all it's uh, the players, the the coaches, the GM, the only, they're all on different pages of the, of a, of a failing book, really. Um, you look at Bo Horvat, he has 414 points in 615 uh, regular season NHL games. I think, I think his, um, that's obviously really good, but I think his offensive ceiling would be higher in a, in a, in a well-structured system like Boston, where defense leads to offense. Uh, he's also a great character guy. Um, Bruins fans may remember Noel Achari dropped the gloves with Horvat maybe f- maybe five, six years ago at this point. And Achari can handle himself, but Bo Horvat kind of gave it to him in that one. Um, but I think I just think he's in a toxic situation. I think all those players are. Um, you know, yeah, Bro- we'll think about Taylor Hall before Taylor Hall came over. That's another player I'd never tried to like imagine the Bruins like fitting into their lineup and then they because of the no move clause like they kind of get him for a really good price and he he fits in and he was not happy he was in a toxic situation in buffalo so you're we're looking at that kind of that that's who you're targeting again it's like and, and i i just tried to like um search if Horvat has a no move the way that Taylor Hall did, um, which would give him more of a choice to where he ends up. I could not find the answer. So um, we will have to research that a little bit more, but um, obviously that changes what the price is. Um, if someone has a no move or, um, you know, has a say where, where they end up because then they can choose. Hor- like, Horvat doesn't. Doesn't. Okay. Horvat does not. He has no sort of no move- movement clause at all. Okay. So then Dil- that Dylan Larkin this- does. I yeah, so if if there's like the list narrows for the players who do have a no move because they're probably looking for a longer term, so like a team that wants to extend them, um, rather than the ones who don't really get the choice. So there's going to be a, probably a higher price for a Bo Horvat because more teams can offer. You know, it's you bring up a good point too, and I remember last year the three of us were talking going into the trade deadline about. You know, certain guys we hope the Bruins would target, but um, we were like, well, that guy's reported saying he only wants to go to Colorado or Florida. I think at the time it was Claude Giroux, right? And that's because those two teams were clearly the, you know, the regular season favorites and Colorado ended up winning. Um, but that's one thing, too, the Bruins have going for them is if you're somebody who you know you're on the trading block at the deadline, you're part of a seller, right? Your team's a seller. This year, everybody's looking at Boston, right? So if somebody wants to leave and go win a cup, the Bruins are that team this year, which even in years they've been really competitive. They've never been that team for the most part where somebody's like, oh yeah, I clearly want to go to the Bruins at the deadline if I have the option, right? Um, so that's something they have going for them as well. And and, and like, you know, Buffalo did have their issues um, with the toxic environment, but like Vancouver is a different animal. I mean, you have, you have JT Miller, like, you know, slamming his stick every two seconds, um, 
uh, was it Quinn Hughes? Quinn Hughes is literally crying. And JT Miller was a guy we were talking about last trade deadline. I know. Maybe the Bruins may have Why did he sign an extension there? Like, this is baffling. I don't know. It's like, he, money, he was money, clearly money. frustrated there before. And then, like, for some reason, agreed to stay. I don't know if anybody's going to pay him the money that Vancouver gave him. I think he wanted the paycheck, no? Right? Well, I guess money can't buy happiness because he, he, <laughs> he looks like one very miserable player this year. Money can't buy happiness, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Have New sticks, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that all plays out, and we'll we'll have plenty of time to discuss, um, you know, the trade deadline and different options for different teams. I know, I know, up in Toronto, they they were already throwing the name around because they were they were debriefing the loss of the Bruins, and they were pretty much talking about how, you know, they don't have anybody to uh, to match up against McAvoy and 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 whatnot, and uh, they they were throwing around Jacob Chikrin's name, and you know, teams going to try to get better. Um, so. Yes, the Bruins don't have to add because they are really good, but it also depends on what everybody else is doing around you and whatnot. And uh, But yeah, Bridget, you made a good point too. It's like, on the one hand, the Bruins don't need to add, right, based off their, their success so far. So maybe they could be like, well, let's, let's, let's try to protect some future assets and let's not give away the first round draft pick because guess what? We don't need it. People are trying to add the deadline to even come close to us. Um but I think if they could try to add somebody and then with the intention of signing them long-term, especially up the middle, then it's, it's, it's killing two birds with one stone. Obviously it's helping you get deeper this year and for the future. So they have options. We'll see how, how, how they end up uh, playing their hand. Um, and that's not till what? March. What's uh, the deadline? Fourth. Yeah. Early March. So we're still, we're early on it, but like this is the time of year where you start hearing rumors um, you know, you start hearing who's available, then you start hearing what teams are making offers. And so this is kind of like where teams already know their sellers at this point, right? And teams know their buyers. So that's why you start hearing like the rumors and, and different things at this point in the season. 